We're starting a brand new series today called Desperate. Merriam-Webster's defines desperate this way. Very sad and upset because of having little or no hope. Feeling or showing despair. Now listen to this again. I'm going to say it one more time. Make sure you get this because you're going to need it in just a moment. Merriam-Webster says this is what the word desperate means. Very sad and upset. Because of having little or no hope. Feeling or showing despair. Desperate is the feeling that your situation is so bad that it will never get better. Desperate is the the feeling that your situation might be impossible to fix. There's little or or no hope of of things improving. Now, I said you're going to need this and here's where you're going to need it. Have a little bit of fun because we're getting close to football season. Anybody ready for football? Getting close to football season, all right? So here's what I want you to do. Understanding, again, the definition. Very sad and upset because of having little or no hope, feeling or showing despair. I want you to turn to a neighbor. I want you to turn to a neighbor. You already beat me to the punchline, Brad. I want you to turn to a neighbor and finish this sentence. Blank fans know what desperate feels like. I heard somebody say Tennessee. Somebody about to get churched in here. I was going to be I was going to be mean today, and I was going to say, you know, Clemson knows what des- desperation feels like, or Carolina fans know what desperation feels like. But but I was just watching you guys insult each other. It was a lot more fun. You know, it's kind of fun to laugh at. It's kind of fun to joke about. But I bet some of you know what that feeling really is like, don't you? Now, I'm not talking about football. I'm talking about your life. And maybe it's not you. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a relative. But you know that what desperate feels like. You know, desperate to save your marriage. Desperate for your child to get better. Desperate for your prodigal to come home. Desperate to find a way out of your depression. Desperate to break the bondage of your addiction. You see, for some of you, the word desperate is not a theoretical term. For some of you, desperate is what you're living right now. A couple of weeks ago, just a couple of weeks ago, my phone buzzed. I picked it up, and and it was a text message from the South Carolina Baptist Convention. And they were sending out an urgent prayer request and a mother who had just that day or the day before, mother who had just lost her son to a rare and quick-acting disease, discovered that her second child was now showing the same symptoms. And they were sending out this urgent prayer request. That's desperate. You see, when you're desperate, things have to improve. When you're desperate, things have to improve, but there's little or no hope that they will. When you're desperate, things have got to get better, but you can't see how they're going to get better. When you're desperate, you resign yourself to living without any hope. Little or no chance of things improving, no end in sight of the turmoil that you're experiencing. No light at the end of the tunnel, 
No reason to keep trying. No reason to keep trusting. But hear me well. One of the enemy's greatest weapons is the feeling that what you are currently going through is what you will always go through. The enemy loves to sell that lie. The enemy loves to try to convince people that what you're currently feeling, you will always feel. What you're currently experiencing, you will always experience. What you're currently going through, you will always go through. The struggles you're currently having, you will always have. The devil wants to magnify your problem and the hopelessness of your situation. The devil wants to convince you that there is no one who can help you. But there's a chapter in the Bible that refutes that idea. It's found in the Gospel of Mark, and it's the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Would you open God's Word to Mark chapter 5? You don't have a Bible with you. There's one in the pew rack there in front of you. Look for that blue Bible there in front of you and open it to the Gospel of Mark. Matthew, then Mark. Second book in the New Testament. It's interesting that Mark chapter 5 has three stories in it. And all three stories are stories of desperate people. All three stories are stories of people who have lost hope. All three stories are stories of people who are at the end of what they could do. There's no light at the end of the tunnel for each of these people. And in each story, Jesus did the impossible for that person. The first story that we're going to look at in this series is a story about a man who's probably in the most desperate situation you and I have ever heard of. Probably the most hopeless situation you could ever imagine. This man, we're going to read about in just a moment, this man was living without hope of anything ever improving in his life. This man had experienced what probably none of us have experienced. The depths of despair that he went through and desperation are greater than any of us could ever imagine. Satan had totally destroyed his life. We pick up the story, Mark chapter 5, and what I'm going to do today, I don't have an outline for you as much as we're just going to read the story. We'll stop along the way and talk about it from time to time. And so let's just read through the story. We're going to read 20 verses, but we're just going to read a few verses at a time as we walk our way through this story of desperation. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. Now notice that. This man lived in the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. And then look at verse 5. Just, just look at the desperation that's in verse 5. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Every word in this story emphasizes the man's pathetic condition. Every word in this story, every sentence explains this man's pathetic condition. I mean, have you ever seen anybody as desperate as this man? 
when you read the, this account in the other Gospels, Luke's account tells us in Luke chapter 8, verse 27, that for a long time this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. So this was not a recent occurrence when Jesus encounters him, but for a long time he had not lived in a house. For a long time he had not worn clothes. For a long time he had lived in the tombs. Apparently he felt more, more at home living among the dead than he did the living. And I, I don't know about you, but I probably would guess that the living were pretty happy about that. The living were pretty happy that he wasn't living among them. Because they tried to handle him. They tried to do and The only thing they could do, they tried to chain him. And that didn't work. And they tried it again. That didn't work. They tried it again. It didn't work. But he kept breaking the chains. They can't control this guy. Nothing can hold him. And in fact, in Matthew's version of this story, in Matthew eight twenty eight, it says that this man was so violent that nobody would even pass that way. So violent, nobody would even go by him. Can you imagine the hatred that was in his heart? The anger that was in his heart. And later in the story, to show you how bad of a situation this man was in, to show you how desperate this man was, later in the story we learn that the evil spirit that lived in this man had a, had a name. Skip down to verse 9, chapter 5, verse 9. Then Jesus asked him, actually asking the demon that was within this man, <clears throat> then Jesus asked him, asked the demon, what is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. Now, Legion is a Roman military term. A Roman legion was made up of 6,000 soldiers. It's frightening to think of the horrors that this man experienced. Day and night, as thousands of unclean spirits tormented him. If there was ever a hopeless case, it was this guy. If there was ever a desperate man, it was this guy. If there was ever someone who had no light at the end of the tunnel, it was this guy. He was living with the dead. He was screaming from the tombs day and night. He was cutting himself with stones. He was isolated from his family. He had lost everything that he had. I mean, the word desperate doesn't really even seem to describe this guy. There ought to be another word we could use to describe him. He was so desperate. Desperate just doesn't seem to be strong enough. This man is an extreme example of what Satan wants to do in all of our lives. You see, in, in John 10.10, 10, the Bible says the thief, speaking of Satan, the thief comes to steal, kill, and what's that last word? And what? Destroy. That's what he wants to do for you or with you. He wants to destroy you. This man is just an extreme example of that. Never underestimate the destructive power of Satan. He is your enemy and will destroy you if he can. This man, in this story, totally helpless, totally hopeless, unable to do anything to improve his situation. You need to get that. Totally helpless, totally hopeless, unable to do anything to improve his situation. I'm telling you, this man was desperate. But there was an unexpected moment that begins in verse 6. 
When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. This was a moment when he saw Christ walking towards the tombs that he called home. It was a moment of hope. And when he saw Jesus, he ran to him and fell on his knees in desperation. And it's the only thing that he could do before the demons took over again. Read in verse 7. He shouted at the top of his voice, and it's actually the demons inside of him shouting using this man's voice. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to me that you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside, and the demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs and allow us to go into them. And he gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Now here's what you need to understand. Especially if you're experiencing desperation in some form or fashion in your life. Here's what you need to understand about this man. Satan tried to destroy him, but Jesus came to deliver him. By the power of his word, he cast out the demons and set this man free. Satan tried to destroy him. Jesus came to deliver him. Now, the question is often asked when somebody reads this story, why did Jesus send the demons into the pigs? Uh, we, we could spend a little time talking about that, but let me give you two quick answers. I think one is to give assurance to the man that the demons were actually gone. He wanted a visual demonstration for this man to see that he's not just feeling better, but the demons are gone. Number two, I believe Jesus also wanted to prove to the spectators that a miracle of deliverance had occurred. In fact, the spectators go running into town to tell people that very fact, that a miracle of deliverance had occurred. And so we pick up the story in verse 14. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man... I love, these, I love these next two words. They saw the man who had been possessed. No longer possessed. He had been possessed. But he's different now. Verse 15, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. You know why they were afraid? They were afraid because they had seen this man, they had seen the power, the demonic power within this man, and whoever has power over what was in him, that's pretty scary. Verse 16, those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. It's like, well, you should have seen what those pigs did. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. 
Do you know what we learn from this story? We learn from this story. Listen, we learn from this story that Jesus can do what no one else can do. This man had no one to help him. This man had no one who had an answer. The best that society could offer was, we will chain you up. We will try our best to control you. The best that society could offer was, we're going to try our best to confine you so that perhaps you won't hurt others or hurt yourself. That was the best that they could do, and that wasn't working. He kept breaking the chains. And he was living in the tombs. And he was absolutely out of his mind and desperate. And there was no one, no one who could help him. No one who was there. No one who could make a difference. But Here's what we learn from the story. When you have no one to help, there is someone who can help. Now let that sink in for a moment. When you have no one to help, there is someone who can help. And his name is Jesus. When you have no one who can make a difference in your situation, there is someone who can make a difference in your situation. When you have no one who can help you get your life in order, there is someone who can help you get your life in order. And his name is Jesus. You see, because here's what you need to understand. That which is stronger than us is never stronger than him. That which is bigger than us is never bigger than him. That which is greater than us is never greater than him. So when you have no one who can help you, you have Someone who can help you. And his name is Jesus. Now, I I love verse 15. It says, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. And look how he's described here. Sitting there. He's not running and cursing and fighting. He's sitting there. He's dressed. He's not naked. And he's in his right mind. He is a great example of 2 Corinthians 5.17. A great picture of 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed and, and all things have become new. Now, we pick up the story in verse 18. As Jesus was getting into, into the boat, Jesus was leaving this man now. He had changed him, and as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been, I love that, again, that phrase, who had been demon-possessed, begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family. He hadn't been with his family in years. He hadn't been with his family in a long time. Go home to your family and tell them, how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. Go home and tell your family. His past became His testimony. Go home. Tell your family how much the Lord has done for you. 
This was the first day of the rest of his life. It had an awful life so far. It had a, a life you and I couldn't imagine. He, he, he was in such a, a dark, desperate place in his life. But this day was the first day of the rest of his life. This man, who had no one could help him, found that there was someone who could help him. So I want you to say this with me. No, we're not quite ready to leave yet, but I want you to say this with me because I want to make sure that you're getting this. When there is no one who can help you, there is someone who can help you. Would you say that with me? When there is no one who can help you, there is someone who can help you. So when you're at work tomorrow and they say, hey, did you go to church yesterday? Yeah, I went to church. Well, what did your preacher preach on? Well, here's what he preached on. Say it with me. When there is no one who can help you, there is someone who can help you. So when you go to the doctor and the doctor says, ah, there's just nothing else we can do. then this is what you say. Now, I'm not saying God's going to heal you, but here's what, I'm, here's what I want you to remember. When there is no one who can help you, there is someone who can help you. This week, when, it gets in a, when you get in a situation where it just seems dark and depressing, when it seems to be more than you can handle, when... When you're thinking about, should I go see him or should I go see her? Should I? Well, they never did any good. They never were able to help me. Nothing has changed. Should I take this? Should I take that? Nothing has changed. When you have no one who can help you, remember, you've got someone who can help you. And his name is Jesus. See, I don't know what it is you're facing, but I do know this. Jesus is greater than whatever you're facing. So don't hesitate to let Jesus help you with your desperate situation. You see, it all turns, the whole story turns on one verse. It's verse 6. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. This was the moment of hope that changed everything. This desperate man ran to Jesus and surrendered everything. He he did the only thing he could do. And what I'm asking today is, why don't you do that? Why don't you do that? Today is your moment of hope. And the deliverance that Jesus brings might be instantaneous. Or it may be a process. But it always starts at the same spot. Taking your hopeless life to the only one who can do anything with it. Satan wants to destroy you. Jesus wants to deliver you. And you have to decide who's going to win. You see, we all have something in common with this man. Every one of us. Including the one speaking to you right now. We all have something in common with this man. We are all desperate for Jesus. We have no hope of conquering the sin in our hearts. We have no hope of of conquering the power of sin that dominates us. That's why Jesus came. And the question is, have you ever gone to him in absolute desperation? You see, the man in the story had two choices. The man in the story could turn to Jesus 
or he could turn away from Jesus. And the outcome of his life was going to be dramatic either way. Thankfully, in this story, you turn to Jesus. And we can read the story and we can look back and see how it all turned out. It's like, wow, it's amazing what God did. It's amazing how Jesus changed his life. But think about this. What if he had turned away from Jesus? What if this man had done what some of you have done, and that is just to walk away? Then because we can look back on the story and say, man, that would be stupid. I mean, Jesus is there. Nobody in their right mind would walk away. Exactly. Because it's a story that that we can look back on historically, we understand what this man would be missing what he would be missing if he walked away. I wonder what you'd be missing if you walk away. You see, here's what I want you to understand before we leave. The gospel leaves every person with a choice. Will you turn from Jesus or will you trust in Jesus? There's no middle ground here. And eternal life and death hang in the balance with this question. There is nothing more important than this question. Would you like to turn from your sin and yourself and trust in Jesus as your Savior? Is that something you could do or would do? Is that something you're interested in doing even today? Because the choice is yours. Turn to Him or turn away from Him. The outcome is in your hands. Let me pray with you. Would you like to turn from your sin and from yourself and trust in Jesus as Savior and Lord right now? You can. I hope and pray you will. Just think of all that this man would be missing or would have missed had he not turned to Jesus. Think of all you are missing if you refuse to turn to Christ. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that if there are any here today who really need to turn from their sin and from themselves and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I pray they would do it right now. If there are any here who are desperate and they, are, they have bought the lie that there is no one who can help, remind them, I pray, there is someone who can help. And his name is Jesus. Father, we ask that now in Christ's name. Amen.